and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. So, hello, folks, and welcome to yet another episode from the Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com, driving your sales forward. Here I am once more in the Sales Chat Show virtual studio, Mr. Phil Jessen, Mr. Graham Jones, and I'm Simon Hazeldean. And this episode, where we're probably going to be having another argument, is called Why Do You Need an Early Win Rather Than a Quick Win? if you want to achieve your sales target. Now, any mention of the word sales and target normally gets Graham a little bit cross. Um, Graham, do you want to just make your point for the 9,000th time in your normal pedantic manner about sales targets before we go any further. I would just like to point out, as we said in one of our historic record-breaking programs, should you scrap your sales targets, that the evidence, the research evidence shows us quite clearly that when people have set sales targets, they perform worse than when they don't have sales targets set for them so if you set sales targets you are undeniably the evidence showing us that you are going to reduce your sales potential get rid of sales targets and you will sell more it's simple suffice to say that mr jesson and i may have had a difference of opinion with mr jones please make sure you uh, check out that episode on should you should you scrap your sales targets graham does argue a very strong case i have to say albeit rather rather reluctantly so maybe with with due deference to mr jones why do you need an early win rather than a quick win if you want to achieve more sales success would that work that's that better work? i mean i I would just say you're perfectly entitled to your opinion about sales targets. It's just that you're wrong and I'm right. Uh, and unfortunately, he did have some evidence to back up his... Uh, well, maybe it was fake news, though, Phil. What do you reckon? Uh, so, so, Phil, you wanted, to, you wanted to lead the charge on this one. Yeah, well, just on Graham's uh, targets issue, he's conveniently forgotten that every weekend his wife gives him a dozen targets he has to achieve over the weekend, which, of course, he fails through majestically. Um, yes, I will um, uh, kick us off on this early wins issue. And it was a couple of weekends ago that I found myself watching the ATP tennis finals on TV at the O2 venue in London. And if you're not a tennis fan, I should just point out that this is the end of the year best of event uh, next year it heads off to Turin. So in between the live action, I listened to the good old team of Andrew Castle, Sue Barker and the lovely Tim Henman rambling on about various facts, figures and gossip to keep our attention and interest. Now, the stat that I was particularly interested in is that in 2020, Novak Djokovic had not lost a match if he had won the first set. 
Now that got me thinking. So later the same day, I spent an hour or so with Mr. Google having a look at other sporting statistics. And it was quite revealing. For example, in the football world, if a home team scores first, they have statistically a 72% chance of winning the game. So the point that I'd like to make is that when sales leaders use the phrase, we need quick wins, what they're normally looking at is a timeline. And what they're normally thinking is we can't wait six or nine months for the results to come in. We need them in the next three to four weeks. So most of the time sales leaders use the phrase quick wins with a timeline in mind. I would like to raise the question today. Well, do we need to replace that with the phrase early wins? How do we get early wins that boost the psychological and emotional feeling that the sales body has, etc., etc. So as a sales and marketing director listening to this, or as a salesperson listening to this, what can you actually do to achieve some early wins as we start to come out of this COVID world that we're currently living in and head for January 2021? That's my question. What can we do to create some early wins as we come out of the current situation. Just before we go on that, Phil, was it, did the research, is it seen as being um, a contribution to psych, positive sort of psychology and motivation? Yeah. That seems to be the That's it. magic just, ingredient. Yeah. Just, yes. Just on the football stat, um, the, the, if the home team scores first, it's 72% chance of winning the game. If the away team scores first, they only have a 59% chance of the game because they are not playing at home. They do not have that home advantage. And home advantage is mainly a psychological thing. I'm sure Mr. Jones would agree, being an expert in that field. So, yes, I'm mainly talking about the psychological and motivational effect of getting an early win under the belt and how that then makes us feel. I mean, at the danger of adding fuel to Graham's sales target fire, I would say my experience often is there'll be a massive rush and focus on closing the quarter, closing the year, getting the getting the deals over the line, which often means, and then of course, as soon as any as any period has finished, the next one starts. And often teams are have been focused so much on closing the current period they've neglected the pipeline and the opportunities and the planning for the early, for the early part, which I would say is, is potentially a downside of having those targets and periods in place. And, you know, we're taking that short term. So, you know, certainly I work for a guy who was very, he had a lot of, you know, very successful with us as, as, as an MD and he, he, his concept was fast start. He would say, well, we really want to start the year, with a with a fast start get the numbers in early while you've got maximum time and maximum maximum control so i think that's a that's a so so i mean i guess chaps is what what should therefore with that with that concept in mind what do we think they should be they should be doing i would offer that you need to split your forecast and your pipeline so you've got two different time horizons for your thinking 
and not get too stuck, which is definitely adding fuel to Graham's fire, getting too too overly obsessed. If 95% of your time and focus as a sales leader and a sales manager is on let's get this month or this quarter closed, that's where 95% of the attention and focus for your sales team goes as well. So, you know, therefore you are you are then creating a drought, aren't you, in the early part of whatever the next the next period is. Yeah. What Phil was really talking about was the behaviorist school of psychology. And the behaviorist school of psychology is wrapped up in the whole field of conditioning. Mm. And so the notion that our behavior can be conditioned by something positive that happens to us and the whole notion of us behaving as a result of reward. So it's the whole carrot and stick argument that if we're rewarded, we're more likely to behave in the way that that reward uh, gives us. And another aspect of conditioning, you know, Pavlov's dogs kind of, uh, you know, you carry on doing the behavior because you associate that piece of behavior with something that's positive for you. Um, Unfortunately, behaviorist psychology is, rather old-fashioned now and um, uh, that even though some aspects of it might actually uh, work uh, we know for example that you know children at school are taught about Pavlov's dogs what they're not taught is that they stopped behaving in the positive way as soon as the stimulus for the conditioning was removed so actually it's only very short-lived and so uh, whether Djokovic or whether a football team is achieving that as a result of conditioning in other words feeling positive about their early win uh, is probably not the case most psychologists now think of the world from a social constructionist point of view and that means that our thinking is based upon everybody else around us not what's going on inside our own heads and so actually what you might find is that Djokovic's um performance is not because of his success it's because other people then believe he is successful and they behave less well so his performance may not be reinforced in a positive way he may carry on behaving in the same way but actually it's the other people his opponents who behave differently and therefore he wins and so uh, actually that in we translate that into sales if we get an early win our competitors will behave differently yeah um and they will go oh blimey they are beating us and they will change their behavior as a result and that means that probably a lot of that will be you know they're gaining we, we as a business are gaining market share or are being Uh, beating the other side we may not necessarily feel more positive about that but they will feel more negative about it and we will continue to succeed as a result so if we look at it from a social constructionist perspective yeah not behaviorist perspective it's about what other people do not what we do that matters and what would the social constructionist perspective say might be say the influence of early wins across a number of individuals in a team would that start to then if i see you know, Louisa's doing really well. Julia's doing really well. Fred's doing well. Create, create that kind of more positive focus for other members of the team. It wouldn't necessarily create a more positive focus, but okay. it might want them to wish to compete with them to yeah. Yeah. be seen as the same. So they wouldn't want to feel different. So they would then. So you're thinking of another aspect of psychology there where people need to fit in with the people around them so they if they're seeing other members of their team 
getting those early wins, they would obviously also want to do that in order to fit in with the rest of the sales team. So sort of the more posit- posit- hopefully positive peer pressure, if that's the correct if that's the correct. Yeah, it's not peer pressure. It's just wanting to be the same as yeah. other people. Yeah. Okay. Because otherwise, if you if everybody in the sales team is selling and you're not. Yeah. Even if they don't notice that you're not, you feel different. Yeah. And therefore your behavior changes because of your different feeling and your different self-concept and self-image. And so consequently, in order to stop that negative self-image, you will behave in ways that are likely to get you those extra sales. So that but that would still that would still be supportive of the concept that early wins being a really positive oh, absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely positive yeah. positive yeah so and and yeah and i guess i guess for so it says that for a number of reasons that the the sooner we get success in a period whatever's being measured in our organization is going to have a positive effect on people's behavior and therefore their performance so, yes yeah, so, yeah so phil's research okay. with mr google <laughs> was really quite revealing especially the football one, because mm. obviously it's the other team is giving up. Yeah, It's not necessary because it may well be just a 1-0 win. Yeah. So the other side is giving up because they already feel beaten. Well, the, so it's yeah, the impact you, by having those early wins in sales, it's the impact you have on your competitors that is more important. Whereas if you go for... Sorry to, sorry to interrupt. Just on a... A, a, a simple practical point here. I think this issue challenges some of the wisdom that you see on time management workshops where somebody somewhere might say that once you've drawn up your things to do list, do the difficult tasks first and get them out of the yeah. way. Uh, this would say, no, don't do the difficult tasks first. Do a task first that's going to give you a good feeling and a lift that will then carry you through the rest of the morning stroke day. So I think it can be uh, simple as it is. I think it has very, very big implication. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the, the concept of it's the Brian Tracy, I think, who popularised you know, the eat the frog. Eat the frog, do, yeah. Do the, do the thing you least want to do first to get it out of the way. I think, you know, I think there is a certain wisdom to that, such as, you know, some salespeople, if they've got to be making like proactive, what used to be called cold calls, if you like, they'll, they'll procrastinate on them. So if you discipline yourself to do them, that can be really effective. But also, Phil, the thing you need to do to get an early win might not necessarily be an easy thing to do. So, you know, I think there might be a bit of, bit of you know, but, I think... But, I think but even, even with um, 10 cold calls that need doing by 11 o'clock in the morning, yeah. Uh, on the telephone, that is. Let's just stick with that for a minute, because within those 10 phone calls, there's an argument that says, well, how much do you know about those people before you actually pick up the phone? And probably within that list of 10 phone calls, there's one or two that you're probably quite looking forward to making that call, either because You know that person from days of old or you're familiar with that industry sector or whatever. So there's a very strong argument that says go with those slightly warmer calls within the cold calling list. Yeah. And then having got that early win under your belt, the rest 
should be relatively straightforward. Yeah, I think that's a great that's a great that's a great way of looking at it. You know, you've got to do I suppose to go back to the sporting analogy, they're they're warming up before they start to perform. So to some degree it's some potentially it's some sort of like psychological warm-up activity, get you in the get you in the zone, get you in the groove, some priming activity that's gonna sort of really make you feel like you're getting a good <clears throat> a good start uh on on the day, I suppose, to start yeah. it all off with a positive you know, because that, that clearly, clearly the data is the data is showing it's having an effect some somewhere on somebody. You know, I was, I was... also if you think about running a uh, a sales meeting, I think a lot of sales managers and sales directors will crunch through some fairly yeah. dead numbers for the first hour, knowing that they've got to get them out of the way. But if you follow this early wins principle. Maybe something else needs to happen in that first hour that makes the team, encourages the team to feel good and before we then crunch a few numbers which have to be done. Whereas in the reverse of that, in the quick win notion, where you're saying we need all these quick wins in order to achieve our target, you're actually making your sales force feel negative, not positive because they're under pressure to achieve a target by getting lots and lots of quick sales in order to achieve the target to please the sales leader um, who can tick a box that we've achieved a target. Whereas actually, if you go the other way around, don't worry about the target. Well, did I mention that targets may not be a good idea? Anyway, if you don't worry about the target um, and you go for the early win, uh, you've got the team being positive and uh, supporting each other. Uh, and you've got the competition going negative. Yeah. And so actually, the early win, forgetting the sales target, is much more likely to have a positive impact on your business and a negative impact on your competitors. Whereas if what you're trying to do is just achieve target, you end up being uh, negative inside and yeah. you probably stimulate your competitors to try harder and be more positive because they see you taking too much business. And I think the other downside to uh, quick wins, as we all know, is that the the quality of the result that is brought in yeah. under the quick win pressure is probably questionable. Yeah. And a lot of it will fall apart uh, further downstream. Well, yeah. also, also potentially um, the behaviour you may have encouraged in your salespeople to get that quick win over the line might have meant they've started to put, you know, incorrect types of pressure on the customer and then you're going to get an adverse reaction or even potentially buyer's remorse or in some industries you're going to get cancellations or returns yeah. or you know you 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 you've got to play i think you've always got to be playing the short-term game and the long-term game sort of simultaneously to be successful in sales i mean you know with, with all due respect to graham's point you know we're still going to have lots of listeners who will have a a sales period that they're being measured against and having to hit some sort of quota. And I think it, I have often seen that that is the predominant focus, which hits the longer term account developments. And then they, yeah. and then organizations wonder why they're struggling with their key account management. Well, cause that's not a short term game typically, you know, as, 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 you know, as, as, as we all, as we all know, but sadly, you know, you're often, you make, you know, what you're being metrics and what you're being measured against are short term rather than get them to get the KPIs badly wrong. I think sometimes for those longer term, 
customer yep. development. I do, I do remember when I first started my sales career, and I forget the gentleman's name, but he was known in the industry. And I'll, I'll just use as though he, he was he was he was male, but I, I can't remember his name. But something like Fred Smith, and he was known in in the area, the territory he covered, as Fred bad news smith because apparently if he ever turned up in one of your customers it was bad news and he was just known as being this supremely successful salesperson and they would just psychologically just demoralize all the competitor salespeople because and he was he had such a track record of success that they almost apparently would give up if they knew he was in town they just give up i mean that's a wonderful you know place to be isn't it if your reputation is scaring your competition away from even trying then you know wow what a, what well, that, a cool what a cool place to be that comes back to um measurement you know what was it that he was doing yeah to achieve that and create that psychological impact in the competitor that probably couldn't be measured and it it's you know always i'm always reminded you, you know of einstein's point that just because uh, it can be measured it doesn't mean it's important mm -hmm. and everything that's important can't necessarily be measured and well, so you know we can yeah. measure how many sales we did this month and how many sales we did last month and draw a graph but actually is that important or is it what fred was doing to scare the competition away that we couldn't measure that was important. I mean, I, I think that's, you know, sometimes, sometimes people take the easy, lazy route yeah. um, because it makes them feel like they're nice and busy measuring things. You know, I can remember, a, you know, a personal example of um, someone in my family who's, whose boss, who was in quite a senior leadership position, but their, their idea of being a sort of a strategic leader was personally managing the holiday list and how many days people had got left and all of this sort of stuff. And, and the person was very busy managing lots of things and measuring lots of things. But the, the entire department was in tatters because yeah. they, were just, they were just focusing on the, the stuff they, they could deal with and just therefore shying away from the more important stuff yeah. and that's that's actually quite common i think amongst yeah leaders, it managers. reminds me i was uh, working with a, a manufacturing business a few years ago and uh, they were having a monthly meeting with their web team uh, looking at their analytics from their website and i said okay, and what do you do as a result of those meetings? What do you do with all these numbers that you're measuring? And they used to produce you know, great fat reports every month that it, you know, the sales director, the marketing director, the technical director, all these people would meet up once a month and go through all the data. And I said, what do you practically do as a result of that? And they went, what do you mean, what do we do? And I said, you measure what it. actions do you take as a result of these monthly meetings? And they were taking no actions. And I said, how much do these meetings actually cost? And when we sat down and worked out their time cost and the opportunity cost, they were losing about 25 grand a year. And so they just stopped the meetings. And they saved, you know, they regained 25 grand as a result of those meetings. Why the people are looking at numbers? And that, you know, that often happens in sales. You're looking at these numbers of how many quick wins have we got and how many sales have we got, you know, in the beginning of the year and all of these kind of things when actually we should be focusing on something else. Yeah, it's like there, there was a wonderful Dilbert cartoon many, many years ago of, you know, a boss, what would you like me to do? Why don't you go and get a spreadsheet and start measuring something? And he says, 
does it matter what? And he goes, not really. And that is actually that is actually quite telling, I think, in some in some organisations. But just to just to close off the uh, the um, the person who was the the were talking about the leader who was just managing the holiday list. Um, they used to say that they had they had three de- they had three trays on their desk. They said they got an in tray and an out tray and are far too difficult. And they just anything that was too difficult, they just put it in the far too difficult and then just and ignore it. And they obviously this was I, I guess metaphorically was quite a full tray. So uh, you know we got to got to really double in. Uh, closing thoughts, Mister Jones, Mister Jesson. Uh, no, I think it's it's just about repeating the title really go for early wins not quick wins and if that encourages our viewer or listener just to uh, rewind the tape so to speak and listen to this again I think that would be a good thing yeah absolutely Mr Jones I would just say make sure that you do go back and listen to the episode entitled uh, should you scrap sales targets (laughs) actually definitely worth a listen folks and there is probably now 170 something plus episodes in the back catalog incre- including the legendary argumentative episode should you scrap your your sales target so we hopefully that will provide you with some kind of thoughts and some stimulation so we would like to wish you good luck in getting those early wins in getting that psychological boost however that is however that is actually happening based on whichever theory we're subscribing to and you'll find all of the episodes at saleschatshow.com or from wherever you choose to get your podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Good luck and good selling, folks. See you on the next episode. You have been listening to an episode of The Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And from everyone here at The Sales Chat Show, we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling. (laughs) 